0: Welcome to the Granite Gals Podcast. This is a podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the White Mountains. I am Alexandra Herr. And I am Sage Herr. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Hello, everyone. Today we are interviewing Dr. Bayless, an avid White Mountain hiker who has completed uh, many hiking lists, including the Terrifying 25, the New Hampshire 48, and the Northeast uh, 111. Welcome to Grand Go.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: When and why did you start hiking, and why do you like to hike?
1: Well, I wasn't actually an early life hiker. I kind of discovered this more in my 40s. When I first moved to Vermont uh, 12 or 13 years ago, uh, my across-the-street neighbor uh, invited me with his kids to hike Noonmark in the Adirondacks. And even though I'd kind of sporadically hiked over the years – um i kind of fell in love with the adirondacks through hiking with him and then he was a hiker who hadn't really had done a lot of them but hadn't really kept track in a list and because i'm kind of a list person once i found out you could do the adirondack you know 46 and get a patch i was like we should do this so we started doing the adirondack 46 together and then we did it in winter and then we realized that we could do the New Hampshire peaks, and then, you know, we realized that after New Hampshire, there was also one that included all the New England peaks uh, over 4,000 feet, which also included Maine and Vermont, where we live, so we ended up spending a couple years doing the sort of non-winter version, and then once we realized there were separate patches for winter, we spent another five years hiking everything in the winter, including uh, the entire New England 111 list, so yeah, that's kind of how, I mean, just because my neighbor across the street was really helpful and he had really good wilderness skills i had more of the entertainment skills not so much the wilderness skills but um you know i've managed to stay with him he's a stronger hiker than i am but it was great to have someone um who taught me so much about just like staying alive and a lot of the stuff we learned as we went because you know for winter hiking you have to kind of do it by trial and error so i think we have our safety system down down pat now
0: wow that's wonderful what's your favorite 4k and why
1: Oh my God! I have so many favorite 4Ks. I mean, I'd have to separate them by range, but I would say, um, I mean, obviously, I love, I love the Knife Edge and Baxter. Um, that's you know the a main one, but that was spectacular because that's also the end, the termination point of the Appalachian Trail. Plus, we had um, a really wild, like minus 25 to 30 degree day when we finished on that peak in the winter. It was like one of the coldest days ever, and we were there in a blizzard with no one else in the park but us. So that was kind of crazy finishing on. Baxter for our winter, um, so that was kind of an extreme one. But I have to say, I also love Haystack. Haystack is probably my favorite in the Adirondacks, um, and I actually just helped a friend finish on Haystack. She chose that as her finishing peak also. It's just a beautiful peak. It doesn't get hiked as much because it's you know, a good 16-mile round-trip hike, so casual hikers don't usually make it that far, and it just feels like you're most in the middle of the wilderness. It gets my vote for in smack in the middle of a 6-million-acre wilderness. So I'd say Haystack is probably the most spectacular, and it was super fun doing it with a girlfriend a few weeks ago, um, we ended up camping overnight at Snowbird, and then getting up at like four thirty in the morning or whatever. So we hiked up by sunrise, and we had sunrise on top of Haystack, so that was just spectacular. Oh yeah, that's oh, wow. great. That's
0: cool. And uh, what about your favorite four thousand footer?
1: Oh my gosh, for you know, for the New Hampshire ones, I think um, I'd say probably Bondcliff. I really like all the bonds. Um, they're really long and hard, but again, it's very rewarding. I've done the traverse a couple of times, you know, one day. Um, I mean, I like all of them. It's hard to pick which one in the Bonds. Um, I also really like, uh, the, in the winter, it was really fun going up to the twi- uh, South Twin and North Twin um, from the Galehead route and going up that way. It's just so beautiful. Actually, the peak we were trying to get was my friend was doing one of the trail right ones, so we had to bushwhack to the Evil Brother, which I think is Southwest Twin, which I wouldn't necessarily do again. But we did do that bushwhack, but that made me really appreciate the regular Twin, uh, which wasn't the bushwhack. <laughs> and it was way easier, and it was just beautiful in the winter. So that's right up on my... One of my favorites, too. Um, so many. I mean, I, I really love uh, the New Hampshire Peaks a lot. Um, I mean, we just did uh, the Kinsmans uh, the other day, and, uh, or, or last week or the week before, and it, those were also spectacular, and they're just spectacular in, like, the middle of winter with a lot of snow. I have a personal attachment to Mount Mooselot, too, because I'm a Dartmouth grad, so um, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't do it a long time ago, and I guess I didn't realize how cool it was. Um, I guess I missed my opportunity for hiking when I went to Dartmouth, because I did a little bit, but, you know, with the Outing Club, I should have done all the mountains back then when i was a student but that's okay so you need a late life pursuit, so it's been good for me to stay stay fit in my 40s and 50s
0: yeah i mean i love this block too i uh, i finished on that one um my my uh, 4000 voters for the first that's awesome. Time, yeah, so. it's such
1: a fun peak because it's really open. It's really fun to get the South Peak, too, because that's kind of an easy one that's right there, and then you can see it. But, yeah, it's kind of exciting when you get. I love hikes that have a lot of above tree line. I mean, I know they're kind of dangerous in the winter, but that's what makes them exciting. But I love the, I I basically kind of grind out the first couple hours of every hike thinking I'm never going to make it, even though we always <laughs> do. And then, you know, as soon as I get above tree line, I get, you know, invigorated. I'm, it just takes me a while to warm up. I mean, all the hiking I've done, I always have a crisis of confidence for the first few hours. Like, why am I here? I'm never going to make it. So. <laughs> hard. And then, you know, I, I just take something to warm up. And then usually by hour nine or ten, I'm like, this is great. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, takes a while that. to kick in. <laughs>
0: I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what lists are you working on? What do you enjoy about them specifically?
1: Um, well, actually, the, my the I call them my pandemic peregrinations. Uh, the <laughs> Since the pandemic, I've had a little more time, I think, than usual. And also just to do something safe where, you know, you're not really at risk of COVID. So Luckily, because I live in Vermont, um, my closest peak is Mount Abe and Camel Sump and Mansfield. So I started working on the – it's called – it has a couple different names. It's like the year-long grid or the 4K a day, which is um, also, I think, run by the AMC. Um, I think it's by the AMC, but anyway, it's it's called the 4K a day. It's basically a 4,000-footer every calendar day of the year, which, believe it or not, even though there's tons of people who've gridded New Hampshire and gridded the Adirondacks, very few people have done 366, covering every single day of the year. But you could hike the same mountain every day. You can hike a million different ones. So because I've done the 111 twice, I kind of thought I'd be at 220 and I'd be a lot closer, but of course it never works out that way. I mean, there were some days where I'd hiked 20 mountains and some days where I'd hike zero. So right now my biggest challenge is that they suspended the list in April. So unfortunately I have a huge chunk from, I think, April 15th to May 1st where I haven't hiked any days so I either have to go on like a tremendous marathon this year and just hike every single day from April 15th to May 1st and knock off all of April or it's going to take me three more years even though I might only have a few peaks left so we'll see what happens with that but yeah most of the months in the winter I'm almost done so I'm going to start finishing months pretty soon probably uh, December and then yeah it'll it'll take another Two years, I think, just because I have so many days in a row in April. But, yeah, it's a fun project. I'm at 76% for the 4K a day, so I'm hoping within two years to finish that. Wow, Wow,
0: that's really impressive. That sounds fun. So exciting.
1: Yeah, and it kind of gets you out on days you wouldn't hike. That's what I like about it. I mean, it makes me jump to do anything, so my friends all know I'm doing it, so I help them with their list, and we try to count it on, you know, for both of us. So, you know, I have a couple friends yeah. who are working on the New Hampshire grid, so they'll be like, hey, do you want to do – you know, we've been doing um, some overnights, which I, which is really fun since New Hampshire is a long drive, so we've been camping in some of the campsites where we'll go the night before, have a little campfire, either car camp or set up a tent, and then we'll hike two days in a row. Um, so sometimes I'll knock off, you know, my, one of my 4K a day, and then my friend will get a grid peek – so, you know, we're trying to – we we have a group of, like, female hikers, and we all work on each other's lists, so <laughs> it's been kind of fun. Um, oh, some of them have been great. on this. I know, like, Donna Dearborn I hike with and Joyce Mailman, and, you know, it's super fun trying to get their list done. So on a good day, yeah. we might each get a credit for something. You know, someone's getting a grid credit. You know, someone's getting a 4K. So, yeah, we try to work together. So girls are like that. We're very – working together with each other to finish our own goals. <laughs> <Yeah>. So
0: Definitely. <laughs> Uh, What is your favorite place to hike outside of the Northeast?
1: Oh, yeah. I love the Alps, actually. I found this um, awesome Mm -hmm. company um, in Canada called On Top Mountaineering. And for, except for this past year, I mean, maybe the last four years before that, I've done a guided trip um, with them. Usually I don't do guided trips, but because I, you know, they make all the hut reservations. Um, It's just, and and we've done some, a little bit technical for my ability, like bordering on rock climbing, which is not my favorite thing, because some of the stuff is just difficult. Um, So my daughter and I, did it where it was just us. Then we did it with one of my other hiking friends from here, Donna, who has been on this um, program before, too. The four of us went, and we did um, the Dolomites. So we've done, like, the Dolomites, the Austrian Alps a couple of times. I've done the Stubai Alps. Um anyway, those are, they just have spectacular trips, and they're very affordable. And, I mean, the Alps, just from any direction, we've done the Chamonix to Zermatt winter hut route, which was amazing. That was very hard, actually, very challenging. But it's very nice to have huts at the end of the day. I mean, we don't have that really the same way in New England. I mean, we don't have a hut-to-hut system, with a few exceptions of, like, a couple that are out there. But here you can hike all day, and you can end up at a very high alpine hut, you know, like the Mueller hut, you know, which is up at... 10,000 or 11,000 feet, and then have, like, full meal, full breakfast, you know, beautiful bathrooms, bunks, and it's just that is my favorite kind of hiking. I mean, I would, you know, if I didn't have to work, I would probably, like, move to the Alps and just spend, like, three months, you know, hiking hut to hut and <laughs> doing challenges, and sometimes you can base camp in one of, I really like the less traveled huts because they have some, especially the Austrian Alps. You know, I think everyone hikes, like, in the French Alps and the Italian Alps, but the Austrian Alps are a little less... Um, Traveled. So I like the ones that have the really high alpine huts that don't have as many people. They might only have 10 or 15 as opposed to ones on like the E4 or whatever that's called. That's like the big thing that goes through where there's always a ton of people and the huts are big. So I like the really small uh, secluded ones. Those are amazing. So hopefully, you know, post pandemic, if we ever get there, you know, in the summer, I'll do more of uh, those trips.
0: Yeah, I've always wanted to hike in the Alps. It sounds really incredible. It's amazing.
1: That company, On Top Mountaineering, if you look at their website, is just phenomenal. And I, I could personally recommend which guides I like because now I've had four or five different ones, so I know which ones I like. But they're all, you know, super certified. I mean, you'd really want to have a good guide for that because that way you can get up some technical peaks where they might have to rope you in. And, you know, I right. wouldn't do that myself. That is not my specialty.
0: Um, have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail?
1: You know, I was thinking about that. I I really don't think so. I mean, uh, because, you know, we're out there. If you're, first of all, anyone sees you out there in the winter, they know you're pretty hardcore. If anything, we get kind of the opposite. Maybe because I hiked a lot with my guy friend for the first five or six years. It was always me and him, so no one ever dared. If I could keep up and still hang with him, they, they wouldn't really make fun of me. But I think our best compliment was once when we ended up doing like basin haystack and what we did some monstrous like winter hike that took us a million hours and then came back through john brooks at the end of like a really long day and we still had you know, three miles to hike out and we wanted to see the cabin so we kind of said oh can we look inside your cabin and they were like hey where'd you guys hike and we're like oh yeah we went to you know haystack and basin and we're coming back and they're like you mean in a day and we we're like yeah and they're like You're, you guys are hardcore so yeah we get more compliments i would say than any sexism so no not really i mean i have to admit um nope not not a bit
0: that's good <laughs> yeah that's great Um, Tell us about your most memorable animal encounters
1: on the trail. Yeah, I mean, really, the most memorable uh, Uh animal encounter wasn't even on the trail. It was on the way to the trail. Um, Like, I used to drive, and my friend Dean, who did a lot of those hikes with me, was was my passenger. And then we were going over the Middlebury Gap really early because to get to New Hampshire, you know, we typically have to get up and, you know, be driving over the gap at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And... He, we were going over, and he said in a very normal conversational tone, like, moose, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, whatever, and then he's like, moose, and I'm like, uh-huh, whatever, kept driving, and then he's like, moose, and screamed, and I had to like, slam on the brake, and literally just missed this like gigantic bull moose in the middle, I mean, he almost had to wow. grab the wheel, Ooh. so I mean, that was my most memorable encounter, because we almost died on the way to a hike, and then he decided after that he would drive, <laughs> so then I usually would use my car, and he drove every hike after that, so that was awesome, um, but we have seen a couple of moose in Maine, we, we saw a couple of um, moose, like, out on the trail so i would say the moose have been the most spectacular i mean everyone's wild like a bear from afar but luckily we haven't seen that many uh animals i kind of like it that way maybe because we talk a lot when we hike but we haven't surprised any uh animals except for you know the moose which we saw from far away and kind of crept up on but i don't like i have a healthy respect for them i don't like to get that close to the animals do
0: you prefer hiking solo or with a group of people
1: um, I mean, I do, the 4K k day thing, but like now I'm com- uh, comfortable enough doing like Mount Abe or Camel Sump. like if I just need a 4K and none of my friends are free, I'll just get up and do it, and I don't go alone anymore, I have a great German Shepherd who's a protection dog that I've only had for maybe the last year, and he loves to hike, so I actually love having him with me, so sometimes like I'm not ever really by myself, because usually Argos will come with me um, to do my local hikes, like uh, Camel Sump or Abe, so I feel really good with him with me because uh, one he's a protection dog but two he's just to hike with and he loves scrambling up the rocks and he's just so happy being outside and he doesn't mind the cold at all um, but I don't really in general hike by myself in other places like I, I really don't wouldn't drive all the way to the whites and hike by myself We have I have so many you know girlfriends now who hike and um, and the guy I used to hike with is, you know, has a girlfriend who I'm really friendly with, who hikes a lot with me. So it's nice having a little community of hikers. Like I have a couple friends in Vermont, um, one in Maine, who always comes down to meet us, and done a lot lately in New Hampshire. So I have some, you know, good hiking friends that this this Thursday, Friday are my hiking days. And um, one of my girlfriends is going to do a, an Adirondack peak, and then we'll do a Vermont one on Friday. So yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, we have a little group and usually someone can go but if they can't i go myself you know because now i'm like focused on my 4k so i'll do like mount abe or camel Sumper mansfield uh you know by myself with my dog if i have to
0: it sounds really nice That's awesome what's next do you have any specific hiking related plans for the future
1: well i mean i would definitely go back to the alps next summer i mean not because of covid you know I, it's probably not going to be this summer it'll probably be a year from now but hopefully i'll get back yeah. to doing more hiking like that um this year, I mean, I've, I'm happy. Just I love the New Hampshire piece. Again, it's just a little bit of a drive. So the car camping thing has been a revelation. Like, I mean, mostly we've been using tents, but then we discovered, boy, it's a lot faster to get up in the morning for the terrifying 25. We did quite a lot of uh, some of them are long, as you know, like the Great Gulf Trail it takes forever. So we wanted to be on the trail at like six in the morning. So that time we actually just set up the foam pads and everything in the back of our cars in a campground. And instead of setting up tents, that way it was really quick to roll out in the morning because we basically had our beds in the back of the car. And then we'd just, you know, get up and we were hiking by, I think, 6 o'clock. So it's been really – the Terrifying 25 has been, like, a really fun – uh, it's kind of the fall activity because we've usually done two days in a row. Um, and sometimes we'll fit in two hikes in a day. So to do, um, what's is it, a tabletop, what's that one, all the way up in Dixville Notch, you know, that one, that was like at the end, that was kind of like the frosting on the cake after we had already hiked something else. And then we drove all the way up there and did that one and then drove home. So we were pretty proud of ourselves for fitting them in. But I didn't even think I'd be lucky enough this fall to... Finish the list, but because we had that weird warm weather streak, we were able to do the bald face trail without having ice on it because that made me nervous. And also the Great Gulf Trail, it was a miracle, even though there's quite a lot of snow on the bottom, the rocks were all clear of ice. So we didn't even need micro spikes for that, even though I had full crampons with me just in case.
0: Okay, um so now we'll ask you some questions mostly unrelated to hiking. Um, <laughs> what do you do for a living?
1: <laughs> I run a uh, I'm sort of an academic by training, but I run um, a college consulting company that I've run for 20 years. Actually, it's an all-female company. Um, we basically guide kids to getting into colleges and also making them better students. So start with kids in eighth and ninth grade and basically nurture them for four or five years through private school or, or public school and applying to college. So basically, I'm the president of top-tier admissions, a college consulting company. So that's kind of my, my day job. But the good thing is it's flexible since I'm running it and I've been doing it for all, over two decades. So I'm at a point where, you know, I can schedule things on certain dates so I'm free, you know, to go hiking in between. Okay.
0: That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good for your uh, day grid. <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah. right, exactly. I can be like, no, sorry, i got to hike today, but I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> I usually <laughs> don't tell them if I am, but yeah, I can, like, just, you know, make appointments and kind of work. Uh, luckily, I have all mapped out, so I know which days I have to hike. So I've got that on a on a calendar.
0: Uh, what are some organizations you are a part of or um, and or hobbies that you have outside of hiking?
1: Um, I, I, I'm quite a hobbyist. I think probably right now my most uh, hardcore hobby sort of self-taught is um, astronomy. So um, when we built our house in Vermont um, 13 or so years ago, I actually made a space and we designed an observatory in my roof. So like in the top floor of our house, there's a little steep staircase that has a Roll back glass roof, so if it's not frozen shut, which sometimes happens if there's too much snow, I have a big 16 and inch Dobsonian telescope up kind of in the top of the house, and I can roll off the glass roof and have great views from our little perch halfway up a mountain in Vermont. So I love you know stargazing and looking at you know looking at the Messier objects and the planets and sky objects and teaching myself things. I'm pretty self-taught for that, but um, there's just you know a lot of stuff out there and a lot of great books about it. I mean, we live. Um, you know, in a time where I think people haven't taken time to look at the night sky. So I l- love it even when I'm hiking, you know, early in the morning or at night, because I always know what planets I'm looking at or what star group. So astronomy is great. And i say my other major hobby um, is uh, just listening to music. Um, I've always had, like, a really elaborate, like, music system. I designed a, a, an engineer helped me design my office slash music room, so it has acoustical designs in the room, so it's kind of sound damped. And I have a, a huge vinyl record collection of both new vinyl and old vinyl, and, you know, play uh, a record clip routine, so I have, like, a whole sort of official music room set up that I've spent a million years, like, pouring, like, money and resources into my house, yeah. so I love, listening. I mean, I work a lot, so I don't have that much time, but it's really fun to, you know, just rock out in my office, and pre-COVID, we would, you know, have friends over and listen to a bunch of records, right now it's been mostly just me and my family, but um, I'd say that's uh, probably my my other main um Hobby, hobby, uh, just collecting, you know, music and listening to it. Now you don't have to collect it as much, thanks to things like tidal, and you know, you can just like download anything and listen to it. But I still like to collect, you know, certain things like amazing albums or things that you want to have a, a copy of. And I'm happy to say vinyl is very much back and healthy. So they make all sorts of amazing vinyl pressings of, you know, old rock albums, old classical albums, jazz albums. So it, those are fun to collect.
0: Wow, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I, 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 and I read a lot as kind of a hobby. But I don't know if that counts. That's more boring, but I do voraciously read and adventure books you know anything good fiction uh i mean i was a yeah. English teacher in my prior life too so yeah uh, english is near and dear to me and i i try to keep up on all my uh reading and stuff
0: actually that relates to the next question um what's your favorite non-hacking related book
1: oh gosh i have so many I, that'd be so hard to list um I, I don't know, I've i always, I mean, for a classic book that I really like, I would say um, I've always liked Faulkner. I really like The Sound and the Fury. Uh, I used to teach that book. I also really like *Beloved* by Toni Morrison, um, just another, like, amazing, um, amazing book. There's also kind of a lesser-known book called um, Alice the Unseen, which was just, like, kind of so unusual and so amazing. Um, that one was terrific. I don't know. I have so many favorite books. I mean, I could, you know, go down hundreds of them. Um, Ulysses might be my favorite book, just because if you were stuck on an island and you had to have one book forever, I'd probably pick James Joyce's Ulysses, just because it's like a puzzle in every chapter, and you could, you know, pour over every word forever, so you'd never run out of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, he he would pun in 21 different languages, so, you know, you've plenty to work with. It was based on the Odyssey, so each chapter corresponds with, like, a chapter of the Odyssey. So it keeps you busy. <laughs> if you're ever bored, you wow. can always open wow. a chapter of Ulysses and try to decipher something. So it's, it's a it keeps giving. I mean, it's difficult, but it's kind of a challenge to, you know, work your way through when you get bored.
0: Wow, sounds very interesting. If you could either fly or be invisible, which would you choose and why?
1: Say it again, if I could uh, say it again, B. Be...
0: If you could either fly or be invisible, which would you choose and why?
1: Uh, well, because I'm totally afraid of... I guess I would definitely pick being invisible because I, every time I get on a plane, even though I love hiking, everyone's like, I don't understand how you're afraid of flying because you love to hike. I'm like, yeah, but my feet are on the ground when I'm hiking. I'm not dangling myself off, you know. 30,000 feet in the air. So I have a (laughs) kind of irrational fear of um, airplanes. Even though I travel a lot, I really, like, always pray a lot and, you know, agonize over the flight. So um, definitely being invisible would be way more fun. It would be kind of fun to be a fly on the wall, you know, for a million different things from, you know, actors I like to watch to, you know, just friends. I don't know. It would be kind of fun to sneak around and see what's going on. But I guess I would definitely say that and definitely not flying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny because I'm also afraid of heights, um, though not as much flying per se, just like, you know, I I can't really climb very well because I get really scared of yeah, heights. Yeah, that's either. why, you,
1: for example, you want to do, have a guide for those trips, because I'm kind of afraid of heights, but I got over it because once I had a good guide and I, I knew I was roped in and I could see that I wasn't going to, you know, fall. I don't like rock climbing, but the, these were sort of more like scrambles where you could right. fall off the 5,000-foot precipice type thing, like the knife edge or, you know, but maybe worse. But he would always, you know, he knew I was scared of that, so he would sometimes rope me in you know, to him or, you know, to something if it was scary. So that was great. In fact, that reminded me, that was one of the things I was, a- asked myself the question of, like, kind of the most um, this, the most scary or, like, sort of the hardest hike, you know, the hike where you thought you really might not make it. It's probably one you should ask everyone just because there's always one hike where you're like, this is it, we're going to bite the dust. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, that reminds me because of fear of heights. This wasn't height so much as a fear of. Uh, there was the Dix Range. I don't know if you've hiked that in the Adirondacks, but it's always like pretty gnarly no matter what. And the winter is always a disaster there. It always gets a ton of snow. And we had done three of the peaks out of the five. Really no problem because it was tracked out. And it was really early in the day. It was like I don't know, eleven o'clock, and we we're like, oh well, we, you know, we were only going to do those three. But, you know, of course, my partner back then was like, oh, well, yeah, it's supposed to to be a blizzard at 5 p.m., but it's only, you know, 11. It's probably not going to take us, it was noon. He's like, it's not going to take us five hours to get to Dix. It was only like a mile and a half to to get to the top from where we were. So we started going down toward Huff and Puff and Dix. And unfortunately, that was a terrible mistake because it hadn't been tracked out at all. It was probably like sometimes it was neck deep snow. So we were breaking trail, breaking trail, breaking trail, trying to find trail, find trail, break trail, find trail. So it took us... Five hours to go, you know, less than two miles. So of course we ended up basically almost not making it. Then we made it to the top of Mount Dix, right when the blizzard started. So it started even a little early. And all day we'd been like, as long as we're not on top of Dix at 5 p.m. And then that's where we found ourselves. So we ended up like blinding, staggering across that. By then we were exhausted, cold, dehydrated. We'd run out of food, and we still had hours to go because it's uh, six or seven miles still from Dix to get back to the road from there. So. They got it was tracked out, but then we had to walk. I mean, it took us 15 and a half hours total with really no stopping, just to, you know, with snowshoes and everything. And I just – because it was snowing so hard, I was just afraid we were going to have to – I mean, we were prepared to spend a night in the woods, and we had enough gear not a tent, but a bivy sack, and I guess we would have done it, but we were pretty motivated to get out. But 15 and a half hours later, we dragged ourselves out, and then we had a miserable – we had to we had a car spot, and even then it wasn't easy. We collapsed into the car, but then we had to go pick up his car from Round on and then drive back in, like, a tremendous blizzard. And, of course, like, both our spouses thought we were dead because we'd been gone so long and there's no cell service. So that was oh, probably, like, wow. the most tiring, just, like, staggering up the beckhorn. Even Dean, who's really strong, said – I don't think he's like I'm running out of gas, and I was like, oh no, like that can't happen. Like we have like you know a couple more feet to get up to the top mm-hmm. of the backhorn and over Dicks, and I was like, but that's where my cheerleader thing came on. I was like, you can, we can do it. Come on, we're almost there. <laughs> but I mean, after he had just like fallen into a snowbank of you know, then I had to pull him out. I mean, it was just that was just brutal. Like being trail finding and trail breaking at the same time, and then hitting a blizzard on the way down. You know, that was just rough. Um, and I just don't like to hike 15 and a half hours. It's just a lot on your feet and your body. I mean, that's I, I don't no. end do it, but I just you know, now in my wisdom, I try to do hikes that are 12 hours or less. Like, I just don't, my body's not that happy with hikes that are over 12 hours.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, sounds scary. Um, dogs or cats?
1: Oh, definitely dogs. We have four dogs. Um, I hate cats. I'm actually allergic to cats also, but not to dogs. I love dogs. Um, yeah, but I have, in addition to Argos, I have two golden retrievers and a Gordon Setter. So dogs, 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 no hands down.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, and if you had to choose either summer hiking or winter hiking in the whites, like forever, which would you choose?
1: Definitely winter hiking. Um, I just, not that I hate people, but I hate kind of unprepared people. And there's so many unprepared people in the summer. I mean, literally, we just did Washington, you know, last week for the Great Gulf. And, you know, on the other side, I mean, it was, you know, 60 mile an hour winds on top. Granted, it was fairly warm, but still, you know, fall. And we saw people come up in Tevas, even though there was quite a lot of snow. I, I don't even know how they made it that far. Kids. You know, it just it pains me to see these people. So I really like winter because, in general, most people, you don't see as many people. And it's just so beautiful. Like, the whites have tend to have those beautiful blue sky days, and, you know, and the trails are nice and packed, and you just get, you know, beautiful snow and and great conditions. And actually, what I really like is the snow also puts you higher up on the trails. So, you know, when we just did uh, the Kinsman's, it wasn't as good a view as I had the last time I did the Kinsman because there wasn't that much snow. But when the snow is, you know, a pack and if you put you five feet higher, then you just have tremendous views of the Lafayette Ridge and you can really see things well. So that's what I love. I just love those clear – I really like cold weather. So I like when it's like 15 to 20. Well, I'll take it if it's 10 below, but it's just safer when it's, you know, 10 above. But I would take 10 above, 15 degrees, like clear skies, dry snow or, you know, at least, you know, snow that's fallen already and when it's packed out – I love winter. Like, I would definitely never hike again, and I hate hot weather, so the hardest part of the 4K a day thing is dragging myself up when it's 80 degrees.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to hike when it's really hot and humid.
1: It doesn't bother everyone. I mean, I just have a problem. Like, I literally get, like, dehydrated and run out of electrolytes. Like, there's something – I don't know, everyone has a different skill, but I think my only skill is keeping warm in the, the winter. I just wear all wool base layers because I sweat a ton, so I just wear the wool. And even when you sweat all the way through it, it still insulates and keep you war- keeps you warm. So once I discovered yeah. icebreaker wool layers, like top and bottom, it, like, revolutionized my winter hiking. So basically I just realized that there's no way not to sweat, so I would just rather have, you know, a, a, a wool with, like, maybe a little – poly stretch, you know, icebreaker top and bottom, and then really good gear. I think that's been an important winter thing. I mean, especially on the days when it's minus 20. I mean, you literally yeah, have definitely. to have the right gear or, you are know, yeah. risking yeah. your life. So I love that, and I love gear anyway. So it's like what I always say, like, do I hike because of the gear or because I love hiking? <laughs> but I love, like, certain companies. Like, I love Rab. I love this Norwegian company called Nerona, um, which makes just, like, the most amazing jackets and pants. Um, I mean, I have almost everything by Nerona, Um, But they're Norwegian, and I like to buy, you know, stuff from people who use them for technical purposes. So Norona stuff is all for, like, backcountry skiers, and um, you can get it easily in the U.S. now. They actually opened a store in Soho in New York. Um, It might have closed right before the pandemic, but they still ship right away and, and, you know, bring it in. But when I was in Sweden, I discovered the store and realized even the Swedes bought their technical stuff from Norona, the Norwegian store. So that said a lot right there.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I really I really like winter hiking, too. It's yeah. really great, especially on those really clear days. Exactly, year. right. I mean, not
1: that we haven't done some brutally difficult days, but, yeah. But, I mean, if you pick – I mean, now we can sort of pick which days we want. So if, you know, the trails are packed and you don't have to break – I mean, breaking trail every once in a while is fun, but not if you have to break out the whole trail, <laughs> then it's pretty miserable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, last yeah. year, we ended up like – Valley Way is almost always broken out, but we got it a day where it was only broken out – you know the first part and the last part wasn't it ended up you know what was supposed to be a quick hike up Madison and Adams ended up taking a million hours just because we had mm-hmm. to break like the entire valley way trail from the the top mm-hmm. third probably and even with four people it was just you know when when you really have to break trail you need kind of a group and it's just an effort i, I don't think anything is as tiring as like breaking trail in deep snow
0: yeah it it is really tiring but yeah i mean if i mean if you like really um, get a good weather day and, like, you know, pick a trail that's really broken out. Winter is just, like, so surreal. <laughs>
1: I know. And it's actually better on your knees. I mean, maybe this is because I'm 53, but I, I've noticed lately my knees have been hurting me because, like, so many rocky trails. Like, the, not only did we do the Madison Gulf, but then we made kind of a mistake and we came down the – Osgood Trail to like the Daniel Scout or Daniel Webster Scout Trail, and it just got hot, and that was that downhill was so brutal on my knees. It was like rocks, 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 rocks all the way till you got like way close to the bottom. So all of us were just dying. Like we're like, all my friends are older. We're like, God, this trail is so hard on your knees. And I was like, in winter, we we not even notice these rocks. You know, we'd be dragging our feet. That's what I love about having snowshoes in the winter. You know, that once you get up the down, I like up because you have ascenders, so you get to use your ascenders on your snowshoes. So that makes a huge difference for me going up. And on the down, I mean, um, if it's good conditions, you can either butt slide or at least drag your feet so you don't have to keep slamming your knees into the ground. So that's what I love about winter hiking. It's actually easier on the knees. A lot of times we, you know, if it's broken out, we have faster times, you know, round trip in the winter than we do in the summer. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I mean, with good conditions. I mean, granted, we've had crappy conditions too. But, I mean, with good conditions, sometimes it's, it's faster in the winter.
0: Yeah, definitely. It really, really depends on the day and the trail and
1: Yeah, everything. and i think the whites are more hiked. Yeah, i say the whites are more hiked. I mean, that was our observation about Maine when we were doing the 111. Maine, we never saw anyone in Maine. We had to break trail like 90% of the time. We we would say every time we went, we'd be like, where are the other hikers? Like, why are there no hikers in Maine? I mean, I don't know. Maine was kind of an ordeal. I mean, they're beautiful, but if you have to break every trail and there's no one's been there, I don't know. We had, you know, I would definitely recommend anyone doing Maine to, you know, bring a bunch of people or, check if they've been broken out because the 14 peaks in Maine were definitely not um easy but the white mountains tend to be broken out cuz people grid a lot so i feel like they're always broken out the adirondacks not so much i mean there's some trails that are broken out but there's some winners that i remember recently where you know the dicks range wouldn't be broken out for you know until a group of 10 went through so you know you definitely have to pick and choose and you know vulture a trail if you don't want to be out there for a million hours
0: right yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs>
1: Yeah, and because we were conscious of our time, we picked carefully. I mean, I'm not saying that we endangered ourselves, but we were very careful about weather days, so we never, ever had to turn back. Like, we, I mean, we would have if we needed to, but we also didn't hike certain days. Like, the day that right. that, poor, that woman died in Madison was the day we were going to hike, but we saw the winds were forecast at 100 miles an hour, and it was a no-hike mm-hmm. day, so we wisely yeah. decided not to hike that day. Or if we had, we would have definitely hiked a below-tree-line hike. Um, but, you know, we, we were very careful. I mean, the, the cold weather didn't bother us because – We hiked a lot. The the year we did New Hampshire, I think they had more below zero days than any year, but we just got good at dressing and you know, actually the hardest part is my hands. My hands are getting, like I can't wear gloves at all. I have to wear mittens and I sweat a lot. So I have to, I usually have to bring, you know, five sets of mitten liners and just keep changing them out. And then, you know, I've had to wear warmer and warmer mitten mittens bo- over them when it gets, you know, on my, not on the way up because you're sweating, but like afterwards on longer days. So that's the hardest part for me. That's why I don't like to go solo in the winter because I've lost my fingers a couple of times where I can't open my backpack or do anything. So I really like having someone else there to help out. Yeah. My,
0: my fingers are really sensitive too. Like I, I'm the same way, I like never wear gloves. I always wear mittens.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe it's a woman thing too. Like we don't have as much like you know circulation in our nerf- I don't know. It just seems to be that way. But um, I mean that's yeah, why I like and I, I I'll you know even in the winter sometimes I'll just like at, at the beginning of any hike I'll just open hand warmers because they they don't seem to work well when you open them in the cold. So I'll open them in the car mm-hmm. right before I start and keep them in a pocket. And then you know when I'm done on the exerting part, like going uphill as I'm at the top I'll put like dry mitten liners on and then put the heat the, the hand warmers in and and that helps a lot and I, also I bought like the the alti mitts like the you know the $200 like outdoor research mittens the alti ones that are like gigantic but those are awesome emergency mittens like so those are great to have I always have I usually I call them like DEFCON 1, 2, 3, 4 like I usually have four sets of warmer mittens in my bag so that's what takes up the most uh room in my winter bag is really mittens because if you don't have your hands you can't do anything else yeah Yeah, like, I see people, like, with barely anything, and I'm like, what are you going to do if you get hurt or stop? And and we also, you know, got, like, real down jackets, like, not the, like, Patagucci ones, but um, Western Mountaineering, um, or is it Western Mountaineering? Or, or, um, I forget, it's a company out in in Oregon, but they, or in Washington State, maybe, but Feathered Friends, we have, like, these giant, like, really not flattering like feathered French parkas like meant for like rainier and in the winter they're very light because they're down but they're humongous and bulky looking i mean they look you know you look like the michelin man but we always keep them out in the winter in our pack and it's great if you have to stop to eat or something just to put it on for 10 minutes it's just like a heat vent i mean we've been out there in minus with that and like you suddenly cannot tell it's cold out
0: yeah i think we have have something like that too yeah Um, probably not as um insulating you know as that but we we always carry puffy so that you know when we when we stop at the summit we can you know relax a little bit and not get cold
1: immediately exactly right i mean it's it's come in handy i mean i haven't had to use it for like emergency purposes but there have been times where i've just for comfort just said forget it i'm just right. putting it on because i'm you know like because yeah. you don't know if you're with a group you know someone wants to stop for a few minutes and sip chicken broth or something you're like okay great but i'm going to get cold so i know i get cold you know quick so yeah. I'll, I'll just put it on at least i'm good at listening to my myself now i mean i you know i used to like feel a little peer pressure but like i don't know last winter we hiked on i think the first day of winter or whatever it was like the 21st and it was just uh, such a one of those the worst days are like the 40 degree and rainy days and it was just like raining 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 we got soaking wet i think we were doing the carter carter dome or something then we got higher up and it turned to snow but by then we were all soaking wet and i was shivering so hard and i was so cold and we were like 10 minutes from the summit and i was like I got to stop and change clothes. And they were like, why? We're almost at the summit. I'm like, because I'm going to freeze today. <laughs> and I just stopped. Yeah. and then, every, then everyone did it. Like, I literally just, you know, because I knew it was <laughs> going to be wet, I put on, like, a, I hardly ever changed my base layer. That's the only time I can think of where I just put on a dry wool shirt, a dry jacket, a dry over I just put all my wet stuff way down in my pack. And suddenly I was happy. I was like, even though I had to strip, but I was so warm all of a sudden. And I didn't care. Then I was 10 minutes to the summit and I was warm the rest of the day. And then it had turned to snow, so it wasn't raining anymore. But, I mean, raining in the 30s and low 40s is really the the coldest I've ever gotten to frostbite whereas you know minus 25 I'm usually prepared for so you know that I actually feel much drier and happier
0: it's so crazy what a difference um, wet versus dry clothes could make you know You're like you never really remember until you change
1: and then yeah just, sometimes and now right. i just started to take like an extra base i mean usually my base layer isn't that bad but i mean I'll, i always pack like an emergency one because if you did get injured i mean you wouldn't want to sit there in a wet wool shirt because then you'd get cold we always think about what if yeah. you had to wait here for eight hours for help you know, like, yes, sure, we could start a fire and all that, but, you know, you still have to be sitting. So it's a big difference between hiking. That's why when I see people going light, I'm like, that is a terrible idea in winter. Like, we go <laughs> you know, heavy. Like, we carry all. We have bivy sacks. We have all sorts of emergency gear. I carry a beacon or a beacon sometimes and a spot, depending on the day and who I'm with. But, you know, we always have emergency gear, an emergency beacon, a spot device. I mean, we carry everything. And we've never had a problem. Like, I mean, this is maybe my seventh or eighth year doing it, and because we have much gear, nothing ever happens.
0: Yeah, Definitely, you pay, uh, carry it good, all. Good, but
1: good. whatever, you just do what you got to do. But it's, I'd rather my my hiking partner always says better to need and not have than, or better to have and not need than need and not have, or the other way around. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the way definitely. that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been—it's um, it's really the terrifying twenty-five was definitely our most fun list and the one that you know didn't take a million years to complete. I mean, there's some of them are long. I have to say, they're not—I'd yeah. say they—not terrifying as much as they need a certain amount of grit to get up them. Like, um, do you have a favorite one of the terrifying twenty-five?
0: Um, let's see. Um, I actually really liked Huntington Ravine. Um, yeah, that's a
1: really fun one. Yeah, I like yeah, that one too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I—I think that's one of my favorites too. Um, and this one really isn't terrifying, but um, I. Morgan and Percival is just kind of Oh, yeah, different. that was one of
1: my favorites because it was too easy, <laughs> and it's so nice to get an easy one. I was like, that's it? We're right. all <laughs> cool. That's it? it was, and those caves were fun. Yeah. I also yeah. really liked them. Um, one I didn't expect to like so much was the Madison Gulf Trail just because it's, it's like a true wilderness area, so there's really no blazes and no direction, so you really had to navigate up that top head wall, and it was just beautiful getting there too. I mean, I thought that was probably my favorite overall hike just because it's like miles and miles in places where we didn't see any humans. And cut up that way was so spectacular. Coming up that wall and it had some really tough scrambling, but at least it didn't feel like you were exposed on a ledge so much. So, I don't know I, as long as I don't have an actual fear of falling, you know, like it was hard, but I didn't feel like I was going to fall. So that part didn't scare me, but it was really fun scrambling. The only one I actually was afraid of was. Uh, the Chakura one was a Carter ledge because I just I wore, like, my, my less grippy hiking shoes that day. And even though it was just that one ledge, it was really wet, and I had no, no handhold, and I kind of freaked out. Like, I by myself, I wouldn't have made it, but my hiking partner, uh, my friends were there, and they kind of extended a hand, so I, you know, made it, and I ended up kind of belly flopping at the end to get over. But that was the only little part that I was truly, like, because a fall would have been bad, and that was the only time I felt like I really could have fallen.
0: Well, yeah, I'm really glad that you uh, had such a fun time completing the list. It's really
1: great to hear. Yeah, that was like the all-time best list. You guys, do you guys have any other future lists in mind, like, afterwards? That you're gonna, Like, have you thought of any? Because it would be fun to do a Terrifying 25 in, like, you know, the Adirondacks or something, or, you know, maybe not 25, oh, yeah. but, like, a top 10, you know, trails. And I think what my partner and I said that we – or my friends and I decided we liked about it, is that it got us out on – ones that we wouldn't have done, um, you know, like I would never have done the bald faced circle trail. I didn't even know it existed. So, you know, when you're a peak bagger, you only do 4,000-footers. So it was really fun doing the ones that I wouldn't have known otherwise. Like I would never have known tabletop or any of those um, had it not been for your list. So that was probably the most fun part. Or just unknown trails like the Madison Gulf Trail. I would never have gone up that way to get up Madison.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, talking to us today. Yeah, uh, it was really a, interesting hearing all yeah. of
1: your stories. Oh, you guys are awesome. Well, thanks so much, and thanks for the interview. It was great fun highlight of my yeah, day. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Great. All right, well, thanks, you guys.
0: The preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike. We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS. It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at UCSUSA.org.